You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Buenos dias. Look at this. Look at the sun coming in on this. Wow. I think it's sunny every time. No, actually, it hasn't been. So this is this is good. I just I'm shining is what it is. Okay, so you're glowing. Are we waiting, are we waiting for our little uh, cohort here? Yeah, he's coming yeah. sometime. He's coming. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't always like to get here quite on time. But anyways, um, so you've you've left and now you're at a new spot. Yeah, we're on the island now in Mallorca, in the Mediterranean, the warmer water with the nice, lovely Danish family. It's uh, it's very nice. So glad to be over here. Is that the one that the buildings are go up on a hill? Is that the island? Yeah, there's a couple different islands like that. Tenafree was too, but Mallorca has a lot of that. They have a lot of um, kind of mountain hills on this island. And yeah, it's been settled for a long time. It was summer destination for the Romans and it's, uh, it's pretty uh, historically famous. Yeah. So your your mother posted something about all your little uh, adventures there, and I saw a lot of people were saying, "Oh, that's one of my bucket lists to go to the Canary Islands." Is it a is it a bucket list item? I definitely think it's pretty out there. You know, I've I've been to a handful of places, so it's hard for me to be just like memorized, mesmerized. But uh, I mean, it was pretty wicked for sure. Yeah. Oh, good. Cool. And is that a, that's an area you still have to be vaccinated on, right? To get in there, no. you don't have to. Okay, no, for, but no. for the United States, you have to, don't you? Nope. You really? need one test. Yeah. Okay. All right. All and then right. you could do this. You can do this too, people. You can fly into Poland. You don't need anything. And then from Poland, once you're in, then you can fly anywhere with no test in the Schengen zone. The what zone? Schengen, you know, where all the European countries, a lot of them are in. And it's huh. basically free travel and free trade. Oh, boy. There we got a, we got a traveling tip. There you and go. Andy, Andy missed the traveling tip. What's it, What was the traveling tip? Sorry. Nick, tell me what, what happens. Okay. You can fly into Poland for no test from the United States. And then from Poland, you can go anywhere in the Schengen zone with no test or no um, uh, V word. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Can we not say we can't say those words? That's right. Don't especially, we get especially not in the first five minutes. We're gonna get. Uh, you can't say. Uh, you can't say female or what are you talking about? I'm not sure. <laughs> it starts the with jab. <laughs> the thing that the big goes, pop, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I guess we get to talk about the the real estate market, Mr. Andrew. Well, let's do it. Yeah, I think, uh, well, this little chart here is just talking about exactly what we have been talking about before people started talking about it and how yeah. uh, the market has changed. Um, I think there's some interesting things, though, because closed sales are down 19%. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, 20% is, I mean, is big time. But the median sale price went up 8%. And I think that's exactly what we were talking about in that the people got that got hurt the most were the smaller um, the smaller homes because those yep. people the, you know their loans went up five six hundred dollars just kind of held off and didn't buy 
but the upper bracket was selling more. So I think that's what happens is that median sale price, you know, if there's more upper bracket selling, that thing moves up, obviously. It, it's kind of weird because, you know, see, when, when people are like reading this or hearing about it on the news, what I don't think a lot of people realize is that they're talking about um, a delayed response. They're talking about what happened last month or the month before right. that. And they're reporting it based on all the numbers coming in and finally being rolled up and reported. It's kind of like voting. They anticipate things are happening, but until the actual votes are finalized and certified and whatever, they don't give a final, you know, winner or results. And so we are seeing where back, I mean, I'm talking June, it wasn't even July. June is when it started slowing down when those rates uh, doubled and, you know, uh, you get into July and then you had the slowdown of just, the normal July slowdown. Now our numbers weren't that far off as far as that report showed you there, but you got to remember that's showing the state of Minnesota. So you have the hot pockets, you have the cold pockets. Um, but what is interesting there too, guys, is that the, so last night I was at Canterbury Downs and uh, we had a real estate kind of, you know, Hey, we survived the first half of the year kind of party. Right. And uh, sponsored by uh, our, my broker, Remax Advantage Plus, right over the shoulder here. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and we were talking and I was asking that exact question. What are you guys seeing in the marketplace? What are you seeing for, um, you know, what's happening out there? And consistently, everyone said when rates jumped, everything calmed down and really the hype was out of the market. And then now they're all saying that, that and it was interesting. Some were saying, hey, I'm starting to get really busy again. And then there was others saying, yeah, we're doing okay. So it wasn't, it, the market has changed. Um, you know, it, anyway, <laughs> we have, we have this a little private bit. message on the side here. That the <laughs> I always do. I waited a little bit though. I, I, I love those private messages because Andy always has to look and I try uh, to screw them up. <laughs> well, so for those, if you're listening, the software we use, actually, we can message each other as we're talking. Yeah. And so, no, I, I honestly say that with, with, um, you know, with brokers and everything else. I mean, it, it what's interesting is, is that I think the challenge for brokers it's easy to recruit people in. It's hard to retain people. And so what do you do to retain people? I mean, I, you can't offer them money. You can't do whatever. So you can offer training. You can offer opportunities, networking opportunities. I think you and I both appreciate that because back in the day when we were doing CCO, that was our number one draw that people wanted to be part of. It wasn't so much being part of the radio show as much as it was being part of the radio show's network and, and being connected with people that are kicking ass and taking names and you know, um, anyway, but I think, plus I, was, I like my broker a lot. So I, I, uh, you know, I, but into that also, I think is when, when people, uh, I've noticed from agents over, over time, when they start disengaging, that's when you're, that's when they're in trouble. They're, they're going down a hole that, uh, it's really hard to kind of get out of. And so to have events like that is like a big thing to be able to kind of get people back together and, and share ideas and, Gosh, I went to a. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead sorry. Keep going. I, I, just gonna say, I went to a lunch yesterday with someone completely out of the industry. Um, I represented in a sale, but man, I mean, just some of the uh, collaborating that went back and forth. That you know, business is business, and we all have. Um, there's certain things we all need to do with business, and just going over. This person was very into technology and how to make things better, and um, he was. It was. It was fantastic. But I came out of there yesterday. I was just like, get my sprinter. Let's go. I'm going to start figuring out stuff. But so that is good. You start doing things like that where you're having fun. You can kind of slowly talk about who's 
who's doing what and, you know, if there's other opportunities coming up. You know, a lot of things have changed in the real estate industry as far as um, sharing um, our listings that are coming up, you know, I mean, so they have a, they have a new thing called the coming soon listing. So everyone can kind of see it. It's kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm starting to get ready. If you want to make an offer on it, you certainly can. You just can't come see the house. I mean, just the small little details like that, but it used to be where I would have some listings and I could say, Hey, Andy, I've got a super cool one coming up. You know, if you want to get in and get your buyer in there, you know, we'll, we'll get them in there before it even goes onto the market. And uh, now the only way I can do that with Andy being from a different brokerage is that Andy has to have asked me about, hey, Chris, you got anything coming up on Briar Lake? If you do, let me know. And at that point, I can. And I can tell agents in my own office and I can tell buyers of my own, but I can't market that out to everyone. And so it's just, it's kind of navigating through that and, and mm -hmm. opportunities and events like that uh, really help. So. Well, that or, or even discussing the, the topics like, what are you doing with this lender now that they're doing this? What are you doing yeah. with this kind of when title does that? And just people, it's 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 awesome because obviously people like to hear themselves talk. But on the other hand, when you're sitting in front of somebody that actually does more business than you do and you have an opportunity to kind of listen to what they're saying and what they've done, it makes you a better agent for your client. And sure. And then on top of that, one of my favorite questions to ask is, how much time off have you guys taken this year? And and agents are looking at me like, well, I work 24-7. And I'm like, then you're not going to be a good real estate agent. W when's your downtime? What are you doing for downtime? Are you fishing? Are you going for pontoon rides? Are you hiking? Are you going on vacations? What are you doing to recharge and reset so that you're fresh and, and ready to, I mean, think about this. You can't just walk into the ring without training, right? You can't, you, you know, even the professionals all practice. It's like, so why don't, why don't we, Take the time to be prepared for the event, which is negotiating the sales or making sure you're sharp, making sure that you've got the best technologies by asking other people, what are you doing to help your clients? What are you doing that's working? What are you, you know? And then on top of that, resetting your mental reset, which I think is so important that a lot of agents just miss. You know, they just, oh, we're 24 seven, go, go, go. And I just, I don't, you know, guys, that's not real. Yeah, but the market definitely is, is heating up. Um, I got a ton of stuff um, happening and uh, some real fun, fun kind of opportunities too. Uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be, I think a kind of a wild, wild ride. And that is something to what you said, Andy, about what do you, what are you guys doing to kind of get away from it for a while? I mean, uh, we've both been doing this a long time. And the one thing that um, I remember earlier on in my career, it's like, Oh my God, it's slow. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you worry about, what the heck you're going to do right now instead of now after you get older, hey, this is great. Let's take a break. I mean, that whole July thing was kind of like that. It was just like a real, it just kind of was, nothing was happening. Well, enjoy it, you know, do your yeah. things because it's going to come back and you're going to be, you know, 24 seven. Well, and Chris, don't you think though that like when we, when we went through the housing crisis and, you know, 2008 to 10 or whatever it was, 12, um, and everything was based on demand, like opportunity based, like, oh, my God, there's a fourplex for 100,000. Let's go jump on it. You had people making decisions based on opportunity, not based on like, hey, I have a good job or, hey, this is a good time. They were buying it because it was a deal. And so you had that kind of a buyer. Then you had buyers out there in the marketplace. Like, oh, my God, rates just dropped. Let's go buy something. And so it kind of got to the point of where they've exhausted a lot of these creative ways to get people to buy when they really 
psychologically shouldn't be buying. So what I, I'm really appreciating right now is what's going on in the market. It's organic. It's kind of natural. I mean, rates are back to where they're supposed to be. Now you're going to see a normal market. I mean, mm -hmm. supply and demand. You better have your house pretty and ready to sell. Um, none of this just putting a, you know, a dirty piece of crap on the market with no effort put into mm -hmm. it because you're not going to sell for the right price. And the days of getting 50,000 or 100,000 over, there's very few of those happening right now. I'd say under 10% of the market is seeing where there's multiple offers with high, high bids above it. On the other side of it, nationally, that's not true. They were just talking about that where they said that there's still like an average of three offers per listing. So that means there's 50 on one in California. There's none on one in, you know, Ohio. But, you know, and like we're seeing sporadic stuff here. Yeah, I just involved in a seven and a six, you know, seven offers and six offers. One of those went for 85,000 more. Um, you know, in that 700,000, right. so yeah. okay. some of it, some of it'll happen, but it is, it's, it's not the norm anymore. Um, right. I think, uh, Nick was saying we have something about, uh, China to talk about. I think this is kind of a, kind of a nice little segue into that. Yeah. Well, piggyback off of, um, our last housing recession for the USA, I guess China is going through something similar. And the reason I want to bring it up is because it is all over YouTube it is all over the social media and I have a couple of things here. I just want to get your guys' thoughts and see if something bad happens over there. Do you think it will affect, you know, what's going on over in the USA? So for the first thing, this is um, Graham Stephan. He's a big financial guy and real estate dude on YouTube. He tweeted this. For some context on how crazy the real estate market in China is, the medium home price in New York is around 10 times the median annual income. But in Beijing, it can be as high as 25 times. <laughs> Holy moly. That, I mean, that's... Welcome to a government-controlled society. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's not a I mean, free that's... market. That's the only thing that I would, I would hesitate to respond on this, you guys, is that that market over there is so controlled and skewed by their, their government. And, and how many times have they taken that yen and said, okay, we're going to drop it in half so that we're still competitive globally? Well... All your savings are worth nothing now. What you make is worth nothing, but material costs are still higher if they're importing those material costs, right? So if concrete's 120 bucks a yard, it's 120 bucks a yard. Even if you drop your value down to 60 bucks, you know what I mean? Now you have to spend 120 to get one, you know, 120 yen to get one, you know what I'm saying? It's like they devalue their own dollar, which hurts them. But on the other hand, it also makes them globally competitive with their widgets. So all that crap you buy at all the stores we go to, the Walmarts and whatever, it's made in China. Guess what? All that stuff becomes affordable for the American people too when they do that kind of stuff. Sort of globally, I guess. I knew Mr. Andy would uh, know about this stuff. I'm kind of not into that. I'm kind of in my own little world here, and obviously that's that's some things that can um, will could affect us for sure. Uh, but I also I kind of look my my more centralized thing is is the coast. And watch what happens on the coast because that's eventually what's going to happen here in the Midwest. So you're right, man. Yeah. Okay. So basically, they're saying that um, like the Chinese put all their money into to real estate, and because it was the way out and everything was going, like it was only going to go up. So this is how they're going to secure um, generational wealth. And I guess they're starting to hit a mortgage crisis now, and they're saying like home prices fell for the eleventh straight month. And I guess there's even um, uh, protests by not paying back their loans. A bunch of Chinese families are like, I'm not getting screwed. So they're not, they all band together to not pay back uh, the loans. 
exploit. Now that some of that sounds exactly what 2006 and eight was. I mean, where people were basically they were buying just so they could sell it. And it wasn't about it didn't matter about the price. It just mattered. Hey, I got to get something because it's just going to keep going up and then I'm going to be able to sell it. And then you had financing that was craziness. Uh, that well, I mean, Chris, do you remember? I mean, crazy. I'm talking 2010. You and I were um, talking about this same exact subject where the Chinese government was building towns, not a building or an apartment complex. We're talking like towns with like 50 skyscrapers with hundreds of units per building and nobody's living in them. And they're empty and they're vacant and they're just sitting there. So I don't know if they were doing that just to show that their economy was booming so that they could get investors from foreign markets to put, you know, different currency into their economy. Cause that does make a difference. You know, you do want to dilute that once in a while. So you look at like, okay, so now you got a bunch of American dollars being invested from mutual funds or whatever fund you invest into. And at the time it looks great because they're booming over there. Well, they're booming on building. They're not booming on selling. This is a problem I see with local home builders as well. They count their starts. They don't count their closes. And you got to count closes because that's when everybody gets paid. When everybody gets paid, everybody's happy. And, and, and bank is one of them. The bank gets their loan secured and paid off. Then they secure a mortgage, you know, for that buyer. And then that's a long-term investment for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But they also do their homework. They make sure the equity and the, and the you know, deposits are properly ratioed so that the bank's not at risk. So, you know, um, I don't know what they did in China the last couple of years for home buyers. I don't know, you know, with a devaluing dollar, of course, things will devalue, including houses. We saw that happen, guys, right, in 2008 to 12. We even saw where we were struggling as an economy and our houses went down, too. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that because China also is one of the largest polluters in the world. They also have, you know, children working in factories. And I think they're basically pieces of shit as a country. No offense. But I, I just I literally struggle with that country as a government because I don't think they care about their people at all. They're proving it again. Yeah. No, I know. I'm passionate about China. Who gives a shit? Andy, calm down. <laughs> I read something that uh, someone was like paraphrasing. Basically, the Chinese government said, give me all your rights. Give me let us do everything and we'll give you we'll promise you growth, nonstop growth with the real estate. And we'll make you go from, you know, poor to middle class and whatnot. I think it worked for a while. And now things are starting to hit the fans. So yeah. I don't know. I thought it was just an interesting topic that's been super popular and, you know, maybe it will have an effect on the U.S. real estate. So if you guys ever, I mean, I, I know that you guys travel a lot more than I do, but any countries that you've been to, communist or communist ruled, have they ever had their economies really work out when they, when they tell the truth? You know what I mean? Like when they're really opening up the books and saying, hey, you know, everybody's getting a paycheck, nobody's working, you know, everybody gets their scoop of mashed potatoes every day to eat. You know what I mean? It, it, I'm telling you, those free markets are the only way to go if you want to get ahead. I miss my Andy's analogy. Hey, let's uh, let's let's go into this next one here. Um, we're gonna get our social media reacts. We missed this last week. Uh, um, I think it's a fun segment. So it's gonna be brought to you by Andy Prasky Preferred Home Team. Hey, hold on. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the. Wait, you want him to do his own? Yes, I want to see him. I want to see him do his own right now. Okay, well, here it comes. Hey, this is Andy Prass. You've been in the business over 22 years. I would like to help you with the biggest investment of your life, either buying or selling your home. I've got a lot of experience I can put to work for you. And most of all, we'll have a great time doing it. Give me a call, Andy Prasky, 763, uh, what are we, 433-0850, or Andy at Prasky.com is my email. Give me a call. I'd love to help you with your real estate needs today.
See, I knew he'd be able to do that. No problem. I can't wait to hear yours. <laughs> yeah, my, mine is uh, definitely uh, scripted. That's for sure. All right, let's do our social. What are we doing? Socials? Oh, you finally made it. It's fine, you're an hour and a half late. I'm sure you have a perfectly valid reason. You were doing your continuing education. <laughs> cool. I have to say, you look a lot different in person than you do in your photos. All your profile pictures are just you on a phone staring off in the distance. I'm pretty nervous right now, but I gotta be honest, you don't seem nervous at all. Why is that? Because you did your due diligence on me? Yeah, do you have to grab that? So tell me about yourself. Did you go to college? You didn't. You just took a two week course, that's it. And now what do you do? You walk through houses describing things that people can already see. Your phone's ringing again. You know they make silencers. You, you just mute it. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? At a new brokerage. It's fine. I'm sure it's an important text. Go ahead. It's totally fine if you if you need, if, if that's important. You need to get that. Are you are you a doctor? Is someone is someone dying? Do you like chips? What's your favorite dip? I've never heard of the double dip. Overrated, misleading, and you wish never existed. No. I didn't ask your thoughts on a zestimate. I asked your thoughts on this date. <laughs> are you, are you FaceTiming someone right now? No. I don't want to be on your MLS email list. And also, I don't see you being someone I could ever fall in love with. Whoa. Uh, and that's the reason why we're in the top 10 most hated professions in the in the world. <laughs> what? We are? Yeah, we're behind used car salesmen. Oh my goodness. Do you think it's well, they don't they don't we don't have to be really super educated. But I'll tell you what, I've noticed with new realtors getting I've noticed <laughs> with new realtors getting into the business that a lot that the test must be getting harder or something or or because a lot of people are failing that first time, at yeah. least one or the other. I mean, so it, it must not be super, super simple, but it's. Uh, it's yeah, really, they've got uh, some wordsmiths over there. They twist those questions and make them tricky. Yeah. Look what your boy does to us. He yeah. has those questions. We can't even understand what the question wants for an answer. Yeah. Or, or he gives, does quizzes in Malaysia real estate. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? Right, here's some Georgia trivia. Um, <laughs> Using a discount real estate agent is kind of like seeing NSYNC without Justin Timberlake. I mean, sure, they'll play all the hits, but you'll end up leaving angry, confused, and questioning why the fuck you ever went there in the first place. So if you're looking for a great agent to buy, 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 it's going to be me. See, oh, I, my God, I love it. I wish that would have played before Andy's ad because Andy would have added something in like that. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Yeah, you know, no. you know, the deal is, is this. I would say this. There's a lot of solopreneur entrepreneurs out there, right? And that is the, they got the phone to their head. They're getting texts. Um, our industry and and by by demand of the, the customer. Can you imagine if your doctor had to be his own uh, receptionist, appointment booker, um, temperature taker? They'd be running around like a crazy person in that, you know, oh, so, hold on just a second. I got somebody trying to book another appointment for tomorrow. And they'd stop right in the middle of your exam and say, oh, I got, hello. Oh, yeah, we're available tomorrow. That, that's what's happening with real estate agents. You know, it's kind of a, a sad reality is that we just are, are getting going. The consumer demands a ton from the agent, which they should, rightfully so. But they don't have a backup plan to help cover that so they can appear to be professional. You know, and that's that's the thing is that if we did, you know, the infrastructure. And that's where I think I'll go back to our teams help with that. If you have somebody answering the phone, you have somebody answering your emails. You have somebody that can respond to a customer when you're in a meeting and you can literally leave your phone in your car. It's a way to do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I think what happens with realtors that do that, um, I think it's a leading versus reacting. 
I think if you put those two together and, and a lot of people will just react what their clients want and you just get down a rabbit hole and then you got to answer their phones and then you got to run into this and that rather than saying, you know what? Hey, here's, here's what we need to do. We got to wait this out. We got to look at this. We got to do this or do that and, and lead them into a situation that you have experience doing rather than just following everything that they tell you to do. And I'll tell you, that's where I've always had my issues is when I don't say, well, hey, let's sit back. Hold on. You don't know. We don't need to go see that house. You don't know. We're not going to make a super low offer on that. Because once you do that and, oh, we can try, we can do this and it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's only going to kind of stop your progress to get to where that you want to be. Now, there is certain ways that we can do that, but we don't need to we don't need to go over to the house. We don't need to show it. I mean, if you're going to just try to make a, a crazy cash offer, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's just make the, let's write the offer up and send it over versus, all right, I got to call the agent and then I've got to go show the house. So then we better go to the city and make sure that we can do this, this, and this, and that, you know, you got to see if you can, you're even in the game at the beginning. So I think that's where agents get in serious trouble and that where they're always just kind of doing whatever their clients tell them. And the thing is, is that we're supposedly the professionals here are supposed to lead them in that direction. But too many of us just do whatever they want us to do. And that's not what someone needs an agent for. And then that's when you get the bad name is because if you're just a, a follower, you're not doing anything. You're not providing any help. And then you don't deserve to get paid. You don't. The way they get paid. And there's agencies like that that just allow, hey, we got people that'll show you houses, you know, and they're going to get paid less, but you're going to get less service too. So, right. All right. Here's how much income you need if you want to buy an investment property. None. You don't need to show any. It's called a DSCR program. Stands for debt service coverage ratio. So basically where the debt, the mortgage payment, is being serviced or covered by the rents. Lenders will offer this program without looking at any of your income. So no W-2s, tax returns, pay stubs, nothing. But you do need a down payment though, which is a good thing. We don't want another 2007 on our hands. But if you're self-employed, have complex financials, or conventional finance, Financing is just not working for whatever reason, then this program is perfect for you. Tad misleading and misleading in that you need to be um, known as a professional investor to be able to have that. So as a, as a first time buyer going out there, they're never going to do that for you because you have no clue what you're doing. So if you can show some, some expertise in, in that, you, you can use that sort of a program. But well, and remember too, I mean, they make you sign these personal guarantees that are not forgivable. A lot of times with commercial investment properties, when you go down and the property goes down, you say, oh, it didn't work out. Sorry, here, bank, here's your stuff back. Then they sue you. They don't just let it go away. They come after you for the losses versus like with single family residents. A lot of times when it's a owner occupant, we were, they were forgiving. Remember that back in the day, they had that uh, debt act forgiveness act or whatever it was, where they would literally on a, when, when the bank had a loss, you had a gain. And yeah. in the old days, the banks would come after you and, and they would literally, so you'd lose your house and let's say the bank lost a hundred thousand, they'd come after you for that hundred thousand after you closed. And then that was forgiven. And I think even the, the state of Minnesota is very weird about that. They came and went on that program a couple of times over the years, but federally they had that, you know, uh, debt, uh, mortgage forgiveness. It, act. Yeah. Those. It would be income against you. So if you, the, they lost a hundred grand, I mean, you'd have to report a hundred grand and then pay taxes on that. And right. uh, yeah, that, that, 
Yeah, and that's the way it still is with commercial, by the way. A lot of that is. And they, unless you can get somehow into where you don't have a personal guarantee on a commercial property, which is very rare, um, you know, sometimes they'll let you, like you said, when you're an accredited investor and you've got assets and there's, then in those situations, there's a 30%, 50% deposit, then they're not going to be as worried about it as if, if you were just putting 10% down and using a SBA loan to cover the other 10%, you know? And here's the thing. There's, there's, there's no little quick rich get in there. I mean, in and out. The best things you can do is you can have money, have good credit, and have experience. And if you have those, then banks are going to be more likely to lend to you for better deals. I mean, it's just a simple fact because I mean they want to lend money, but they just don't want you to lose it for them. So if they can look at you um, and say, "Gosh, he's done this, 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 this. He sold all of this kind of stuff. He's got you know he's got good reserves behind him." You know, shoot. Well, and his credit is amazing. Why don't we give him or her this opportunity? And that's what happens. So you just yep. gotta. And if you're if you're someone that's looking for it, I just had a, a agent um, that uh, collaborating with and talking about um, investment properties and thinking about getting into investment properties. And so the best thing you can do is is get a relationship with a little smaller bank. And if yes. you can get a relationship with a little smaller bank, there's their their approval process is a little simpler. Mm -hmm. Typically, they have less people that have to approve it. It's not a super a hierarchy corporate type thing, right. and you can really get in with them. And okay. uh, and and sure, the first time it might be, hey, let's feel each other out. But if you show them or give them some information and um, in history, even if it's like you sold a bunch of clients this stuff, so you understand how it works, mm -hmm. it's going to be better for you. It was always interesting. I, I used to have uh, some pretty good relationships over the years, and I, I still do. I just don't do as much of that with developing and things. Where mm -hmm. these developer uh, loans, you'd go to these banks and talk to them, and the lenders were pretty open to you about you know discussions. And they're like, you know, really, uh, every Friday you come in here and you make a big deposit and you expect us to pay you on your savings account or your whatever credit earning checking account or whatever. He goes, it's a liability to us. He goes, we actually, the second, we don't really want your deposit unless we know where we're going to put it. Because, you know, if you think about this, they take a bunch of money in and they don't lend anything out. They're paying to let that money sit there. In most cases, nowadays they don't. Nowadays you're starting to see these banks saying, you're going to pay us to keep your money in our bank, you know, and it's it's shifting. But in the old days, that's the way it used to work. And so these lenders, you're right. They do look at, um, okay, let's lend. They have to stay within the rules of the FDIC, right? And the, um, did I say that right? FDIC, right? Yes. FDIC. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, so there's rules that they have to follow within their, their risk portfolio thresholds and everything else. And so they have to keep so much on reserves and so much whatever. But the idea there is, is that when they get really good, these niche banks, you know, like I look at like some of the banks up in Alexandria and things like that, Vikings Bank and some of those where they're, they specialize in lake lots. The president of the bank will drive out and look at your lot and say, yeah, boy, this is a nice one. Can't believe you got it for that price. Yes, we'll lend you a loan on that. Right. That's the old school. That That's kind of why I'm drawn to Alex. I, I just love that area because of that. One of those, yeah. you know, that. Yeah. Anyway. It's it's good to have a, a, a good relationship with a bank. Get to know somebody over there. And, you know, there's mortgage companies still, I mean, are, are very valuable as well. But getting in together with a bank, just because you have, there's so many opportunities that, you know, um, it's just like from us, from a, a salesperson standpoint, that we can help someone um, give them $15,000 to improve their house. 
to be able to make them more money, which ends up helping us be able to sell it. And if you have access to money like that, it's uh, it's just a, it's a good relationship to have. Yep. Beautiful. Right, we're going to go into uh, what's happening with uh, one of Andy's favorite companies, Compass. But first, it is brought to you by Chris Rooney, Home Experts. All right, I was been... one years old when my family started in real. Well, that was that was what I was saying. I was doing that. I'm, I'm oh, acting like I just did, did it. So here full I full screen this guy. Full screen him right now. No, come on. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found I'm kind of curious when I was laying on that bed, what kind of phone that was. That's I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, like, why are you taking a picture of you laying on a bed on a phone? <laughs> You're running one of those hussy lines, the, oh, yeah, I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you got that right, lady. Oh, sorry. Man. Leave it to Andy. <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't think Andy. Andy, you don't mind Compass, do you? No. Um, Compass is uh, they, they're again living off the shareholders. I think that everybody that put that company together made a fortune when they went public. And I, I, I my God, remember they were coming to town and offering like crazy amounts of money. Like they'd come to a guy like Chris Rooney, and I'm making numbers up. They'd offer you $250,000 to say, hey, come over to our brokerage, bring your whole team. And, you know, and it just, they were throwing some crazy numbers at the big teams in town. They do have a presence. Um, they are here in the Twin Cities market. And actually some of the agents I really do like. I know my buddy Mike out on the west end of town, super nice guy. Um, you know, and, and just, it's it just, it's an interesting business model. They kind of are a advertising agency it has real estate agents and they try to do stuff in house with their, their brochures, their websites and everything for the agents, which is really good because agents are weak in that category a lot of times, but at what cost? So if you're selling a million dollar house, you bring in $30,000 normally in commissions, let's say on that house as an agent and you get to keep 15 of the 30. Well, you can print a lot of brochures for 15,000. You know what I mean? So there's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And those ratios aren't right, and I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying whatever the ratio is, it's got to be expensive. Otherwise, everybody would be there. Yeah, I mean, and the, the article basically states is that they their stock plunged quite a bit, and they've lost a lot of money. And so now they're just kind of talking about how they're going to kind of get it back and um, become profitable again. And I think some of that involved um, not doing some stuff for the agents that they said they would do for the agents. And uh, yep. Now they're not going to do it anymore. So I actually have two, uh, you know, or, or they're in a position to be bought out. You know what I mean? And so a smaller or a healthy brokerage that wants to have a more hip kind of environment and websites and whatever might just buy them. You might see an acquisition there because just like open door and Zillow, you're starting to see like those kind of guys, they've all been losing hundreds, hundreds, Chris, of millions of dollars in like the first Mm -hmm. quarter, second quarter. 
And everybody, oh, they're blaming. They've been losing money since they've opened, all of them. Yeah. Any right. of these, you know, and it's like, I don't understand why consumers continue to invest in the things that continually prove that they don't have a business model. They don't. They just, they they can't sustain advertising at $300 million a quarter and they're only bringing in $110 million a quarter. Plus they have salaries, plus they have buildings, plus they have whatever. And then they, they were making bad investments on their, you know, their guaranteed offer programs. And so there was a combination of things that like, I mean, the first quarter was staggeringly bad, but here's what's funny. They also have like sixty billion in cash because of their public offerings. Yeah. So they have enough money to keep screwing up, and they're trying to make it work. Same with Open Door. I've heard Open Door and Zillow might be melting together. That's uh, something that I've been reading about because um, Open Door seems to think they have their uh, guaranteed offer or their you know we'll make you an offer buy-in figured out, and uh, Zillow's got the consumer eyeballs um, watching their website because everybody goes to Zillow when they want to fantasize about houses. So, I mean, they both have great, you know, successful business models. That whole open door thing, I'll tell you. you I mean, it's just obviously what they're going to do is they're going to get the, they buy the house, they pay, they paid too much for them. And then they go kind of do a little something to them. And then they list them way too high. And then they just start reducing them. And it's just like, it's, it's just the same thing on every single one of them. I mean, it's just crazy to me how they, how they do that. And eventually they lose, they lose money at the end. And uh, I don't know how, how do you keep that going, but obviously there's something uh, they're they're a lot smarter than me, and they're trying to get money from, you know, everyone, you know, putting in their pennies to be able to buy their stuff and and get have sixty billion in their coffers while they're losing two hundred million a year. I mean, it's just it just seems crazy to me, but whatever. Yeah, there's some companies that can survive that way as long as your shareholders believe in what you're doing and what your CEO is saying and and yeah. uh, the direction that they're headed, they continue to put money in it. Yep. All right. What's next, big boy? I have a question, though. So, like, as you see in the, the banner, they're, they're not giving any more equity to new agents. So I wonder, like, for agent advice that, that the ones that keep switching brokerage because they get the new shiny deal from these different people, like the situation like this can kind of bite them. Right. So what do you recommend to these new agents when they get all these offers? Like, you know, should they take them or what should they do? Well, in, in all honesty, this, they're not compass. Wasn't looking for the newbies. They, they wanted the established. I have 5% of the market, you know, big teams, um, high end clientele. They wanted to go high end. Where their their services would would shine, right? They could really showcase that you know high end print, high end websites, high end feel, and and that's what they went after. And they were going pretty much luxury market, you know. So um, now the equity was just an off. Uh, Exp does the same thing. Um, they do it as a one more thing to help you get excited about coming over. And you know they can go up, they can go down. It's it's uh, just like any other stock. Yeah, I think number one for agents, what you have to do is, is, is stop blaming everyone else and kind of look at yourself, first of all, um, because I think all, all these brokerages have their their pluses and their their minuses. But for the most part, they're all still kind of alike. And it, it just depends kind of like which way you want to go with it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that in any, any way that you want to do it. But hopping from place to place is just is not a it's it's not a secret to success in my opinion and uh you know it today with the new social media and stuff and 
you look at Facebook and if every other month, you know, oh my gosh, Chris started a new job. Now he's at um, Realty House and oh geez, Chris started a new job. He's at Century 21 and oh, Chris is now at Remax Advantage Plus. You know, it just, it, nope, nope. Now he's went to Remax Preferred. And it just, it doesn't give you any stability, consistency for a client to be able to use you as well. So I think you really oh. got to think a little more into your switch versus just, okay, that's, it's just the best thing. It's time to do it because, you know, they're going to give me this and they've got me this opportunity. And, and, and ultimately it's, it's you that has to make the difference and the change. It's got to, it's got to center on you. It can't be on everybody else. Agreed. You know, and I, I do think as, as obviously I'm a big brand guy, like as you can see over my shoulder here, this, um, but I'll tell you what, you know, the, the brand is only so important to so many people. Um, and, I, and I say that hesitantly because I do a ton of business because of the brand, but I also have to enforce the stereotype and the beliefs that go with it that, you know, Remax has a certain whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. On the other hand, Remax is full of a bunch of independent entrepreneurs that are hardworking. They, they pay rent um, to earn 100% commission. Think about that for a second. Uh, most brokers only charge an admin fee per file. You go to some other brokerages, they're going to take half your paycheck. And, and, but they don't charge you anything. But when you do sell something, they take half your paycheck or the whole business model is based on you recruiting other agents to make a spiff off of them. And the more people you recruit, the more the, you know, there, there's all different kinds of ways to spend your day. At the end of the day, you have to decide what's profitable for you as a real estate agent. And usually it comes down to you putting the effort into you growing your business. And actually there's no shiny object, silver bullet, whatever you want to call it. Or you by by you joining a new brand isn't going to make you a better agent. You got to look at what tools do they have in their shed. Are they the tools that you'll utilize and work and help grow your business with, or is it just a bunch of shiny object BS that is distracting you and actually will put you farther backwards by the end of the six months you give a run at this thing? You know, because I see a lot of people going out of business after they get into uh, some of these brokers that like to recruit. And all they do is recruit, 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 because they're going to build this big pyramid of agents. They're going to pay their way to the future, and they never have to work again. And, and all of a sudden, you realize, God, I've got you know a million people below me, and I'm making thirteen dollars a week, or whatever, one hundred fifty bucks a month, thousand dollars a month. Well, big deal. You just sacrificed a year of income that could have been five hundred thousand of income to get that you know stream in. And then if you don't support those people, they go away. So, mm -hmm. so bottom line is, is that shiny, shiny object syndrome is very apparent in our industry and it's used a lot. And like, like I was warned agents, I said, don't 1995 yourself to death, you know, into the poorhouse. You know, there's always another product. There's always another widget. You should sign up for this. You should sign up for that. It comes down to what kind of a real estate agent do you want to be? And does that broker support you in your efforts to be successful? And then if you find a good broker, don't let them go. You, you, you almost should be seeking the broker, not the company seeking you, right? Yeah, I, I think too, Andy, I mean, to, for an Andy analogy, you know, when you talk about tools, you know, if you have a, a, a bunch of tools in your toolbox, you usually only use about three or four of them because yep. you're comfortable with them and, and you reuse them. And those are the things that work best for you. And I think that's the same in real estate. You know, we have all of these things that that we can use. And when we try to enter in the things that Hey, maybe we'll try to do this. It screws up what your real toolbox was and the and the tools that you use the best. And so it's I think real important to in real estate to do what you do good. I mean, and I've talked about this on here before. If I had to go out and knock on doors, I mean, there's not a chance in hell I would be a realtor. I wouldn't do it. 
if I had to do cold calls, you know, I did three of them. I'm, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be in real estate anymore. Now, right. if I was, if I wasn't able to go into open houses and, and do that at the beginning, I just, I wouldn't be in real estate still. Uh, so, right. and, and you always try to go around that, you know, it's like you, you have a team. I don't have a team. And it's like, I don't, the, yeah, the, you team, do. the, the team thing to me, well, no, not in the sense of, you know, that you're constantly, um, you know, you're, you're good at that. You're good at um, encouraging them and keeping them going. And I'm more of a, Hey, let's, let's just, I got to go and, and do my thing and not really have that. Um, it, and it, every time I've done that, it just kind of slows you down. Right. Rather than doing what you're good at. And so that's what I mean, I'm think about this too. Like, you know, you look at like a company that compass, it keeps going across the bottom of the screen and I keep reading it. And the thing is, is this, you know, you've got major shareholders there that they don't want their shares diluted anymore by having you giving away free equity, which means nothing to somebody. And all it does is, you know, dilute your position in that company, um, your ownership or whatever. And then that'll make people want to stop investing if you're giving away your, your shares for free, you know, just to recruit people in. On the other hand, they're saying we use that to recruit people, to bring people in so that we can actually up our sales and up our presence. And so it's it's kind of that chicken and the egg. And I, I don't know, you know, where Compass will take this, but I think that as soon as every company's ever turned on the agent, including my best friends with a Z in the front of their name, as soon as they turn on the agent, they, they start losing money. Yeah. Yeah. And that did happen. I was at a conference a long time ago in San Francisco where they swore they would never do that. Yep. There were questions on that and they said, nope, we would never do that. And they did it. So, anyway. <laughs> all right. Hey, we're going to do our market this segment. Got a unique little home here with a bunch of flowers. Because I'm in Europe, I'm having an issue getting rid of this privacy thing down here. So, let me. What part of Europe are you in? Spain. <clears throat> so, Andy, this one's actually listed right now. And I think it is kind of. Uh, uh, an interesting um, situation here, and it's things that we run into. Where here's here's a place that's two thousand square foot, you know, it's at a million five, but it's on fifty three acres and it has a ton of flowers. I had an old listing um, that I had, and it was absolutely beautiful. Look, just like this in their front yard. I mean, the, the flowers. people in that photo. What's that? There's people in that photo. Yeah, they're picking flowers. So um, there's nothing against us having people in photos, you know, okay. but, but anyways, um, noted. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, let's talk about a, a listing though, that might have something that um, it might not appeal to everyone, but we do have to go market that to, to the right people because the value of that place, I mean, obviously that, that place is kind of cool, kind of a real contemporary type place, but I mean, it's got a ton of flowers. If Nick, if you pull those pictures back up, I know there is one that kind of showed an aerial view of it. Um, let's rifle through that picture quick. Are you for real right now? Yeah. So there's the house. Looks kind of like a barn. Right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there, there's, there's the, the house is back in that little corner that we first saw, but it's I mean, like a we're thousands and thousands of what are they peonies is what they call those and so it's 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 it is exactly it's a it's a nursery and they're selling this kind of stuff so what um what i didn't even see what city that was in what city is it in uh what does it say spring 
Spring Glen or something? Spring Grove. Where's that? Spring Grove. Who knows? Who knows? That's not. The, yeah. It doesn't matter to me because it's it's a. Uh, what's interesting is it's twenty seven thousand six hundred eighty five dollars an acre. If I did my math right, and that's a screaming deal for if it was Cottage Grove. I was going to see that. I'm shocked that's not sold. The Iowa have, border. Okay. To have a to have a, a business within the the property, um, as long as you like to work and you want to run that kind of a business, that could be pretty cool. Totally, and I'll tell you what. Here, here's my thing: is to from a marketing standpoint, is to go after people that have a, a property right now that's a, a certain lifestyle, because that's definitely a certain lifestyle with with what internet has become and working out of your house and all of that kind of stuff and getting away from the big city. Uh, I would be going after people like people that are on Minnetonka or that are on Prior Lake or um, golf courses here, a um, little more higher end homes where they could sell their two million, three million dollar home and then be able to get away. And you know what? I've got this whole flower thing. I love it. I mean, a peaceful. Those are the kind of things or people that I would market to. And rather than like the listing I had where we ended up telling them get rid of all the flowers because it was too much of a maintenance thing because the the whole project was more about the house than flowers and maintenance and this place is more about i think you have to go crazy over the the abilities that you have there with the flowers that it's already in play and um and i think getting away the location and uh capturing a, a whole different lifestyle mm -hmm. So. That, that's almost like a, uh, they're showing pictures for the, wouldn't it be fun to be surrounded by flowers? And then they realize that it's an 80 hour a week job to keep those flowers going and, or you have to have a staff and you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, it, that should really be being sold as a business. Um, yeah. I think I would, I would try to market that way as well, but you could, I mean, you can always create something like that where you can have somebody run that for you on your property. But then again, zoning, you might not be able to. So look, it looked like a retail store and everything, but anyway, that's, that's an interesting property. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really unique in that. I mean, that contemporary flair, I've got two screens, so that's what I'm kind of looking off to, but that contemporary flair. And then uh, with the idea of it just in all the pictures that they, they put there, it's, it's just that to me is a total 100% lifestyle type. Um, opportunity well they're showing people getting wedding photos there and right. you know they're showing all the opportunities which is a cool thing too you know that that people that people want to I be mean, those whole wedding barns and facility things are are a huge thing you know and for a million and a half which is a lot of money but it's really not a lot of money um if you can do uh, add some different uh pieces to that and how you're going to rent it i mean it might be a vrbo it's like that town in Colorado that I've been talking about, Andy, that that agent won't get back to me. I was going to go out there last week and it won't, that agent won't get back to me. It's crazy. I, uh, I've had problems like that before with a property I was looking oh, yeah. at. This was a few years ago. You just go on the tax records, look up where they send their taxes to, and then you send that person a letter saying, hey, um, could you help me find your real estate agent? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then they're like, whoa, they're not calling you back? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm not getting the response I need. I'm looking for this, 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 and this. 
Could you please provide it so I can put an offer in? And contacted them three different ways. That's all. All right. Anyway. interesting. Hey, we got uh, five minutes left, so I have a couple extra uh, videos, and I have one meme. You guys got to see this meme. It kind of goes into the whole Compass thing and uh, Zillow's and all the VCs that are taking over or trying to real estate. The name of the company is Flow. We are a capital-hungry residential rental real estate company with the support of Silicon Valley's finest VCs. We have zero revenue and are already raising our next round in a stealth five billion valuation. Can I count in? Count? Can I count you in as a lead for one billion? Oh my God! That's exactly what Mr. Brasky was just talking about. <laughs> you, you know, there's there's money to be made on that. That's why they do it. I'm sorry. Look how he's dressed. He's got the, like the no shoes. He's grounding. He's got the like, uh, minimalistic outfit. That's like a Silicon Valley type person. No, totally. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. Selling an idea. That's what they do. Well, I mean, in, in the next week, they're going to sell a toy company or a, a widget maker or, a, you know, they're just using uh, real estate because there's it's been the hype segment of the uh, for, for a couple of years now. All of a sudden, they hit hit on a Zillow. They hit on an open door, and then they make a ton of money. So, yep, yep, yeah. Just kind of dump all the people that you had invested in it before. But those people are also um, trying to go for the big dollars real fast too. Sure, that's why we make investments, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, is anything kind of going on in your guys' life down in in Minnesota, the real estate world? Uh, any exciting things coming up? Well, all I know is I see Andy on Facebook a lot now. I don't know if he's uh, Mr. Poster or what, but he, I mean, the guy's at at horse races and he's at on on the lake and he's freaking a land. He's got a gambling problem, a drinking problem, a boating problem. <laughs> no, you know, I was I was kind of joking around with the agents and I said, hey, I go right now when things um, you go through busy and, and slow patches. We're getting ready for that fall parade, which actually starts up here in, in, I don't know, like three weeks or something like that, two weeks. And um, in preparation for that, I'm like, you're not going to get any days off for about six weeks to eight weeks straight. So it's like you're seven days a week. So like right now when I can sneak up and throw a fishing rod around or do whatever, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, you're yeah, you're we're both going to be packed. You're you more so because I know you deal with quite a few model homes. Um, we have one. We're going to have a dream home again. So oh, we nice. get to charge. Yeah, we get to charge people to come in. So it's. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, why don't we do. Why don't you ask your builder if we can do one of the shows right from your model? I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm not, I know he'd be fine with it. Totally. Yeah, fine. that'd be kind of a fun shoot. And then we could do uh, showing off all the coolest, newest, and latest. Maybe interview a few of the people that contributed to building that house. TikToks, too. Nope. In the Parade of Homes, you can do a TikTok. Yeah, Andy's gonna I, do I gotta TikTok. be honest with you. I I got onto TikTok. I told you guys this. I oh. got out that wormhole, and I started opening up my account. And I got hung up on what do I want my name to be? Because I'm like, instead of just putting my name Andy Prasky, which I already have, but I'm like, why don't I do like ask questions to Andy or whatever, right? So then I started like looking and researching, and I started going down these wormholes of real estate agents. Oh my God! Not everybody <laughs> should be on TikTok. That's all I got to say. There are so you, many like phrases and comments being made where I'm like going, that's not right. That, anyway. I think it should be flip-flop Prasky. Flip-flop? It, 
flip flop. Seriously, big code realty. Remember? Yeah, I mean, seriously, with those, uh, you, you got to kind of have a, a a thing about you. That's who you are. I mean, you're always in them. So I, I just think that's a, I think that's a good one to, for you. Me and Nick you are really talking about that. trees with his bare feet or go barefoot water skiing. Hey, Andy, what you should do, which would be super easy to start off your TikTok journey, is just take those videos you saw that people are doing all the incorrect information and duet it. So you literally don't have to do anything on theirs and uh, it plays and then you can like pause it and say, OK, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. And like you're like the corrector guy. You know what I mean? And that can be easy content for you to figure out. The, the most hated real estate agent in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the most hated that gives the right information. That's weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think that some of it's so light and fluffy, though, too, where you're like, oh, come on. I mean, just to remember to mow your grass, um, sweep your garage. Nick, like, I think, you know, I think we could just take clips from here because that's what he does all the time on those. We just take the clips from here and add it to TikTok and he'd be set. We could TikTok the crap out of this place. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> I, I don't I know. Laugh, it is growing in popularity. I was looking. You can you can look at the charts online, and that TikTok is still growing like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's addictive. Well, everyone's getting into it. At the beginning, it was little kids kind of doing their little dance moves, and now it's become just a way in which to be able to short short videos online. Well, it's kind of like what I think Vine kind of took off with that. What was it, seven second or nine second clips, which was nice because then it's like it was concentrated. But you always crave more, and they'd say, click the next clip if you want to see what I do with this explosive. And you're like, <laughs> oh, and then you'd click it. And then you're like, all of a sudden, you're subscribed to their crap. And now you're seeing this moron blow stuff up every day. And you're like, I don't want that on my feed. But I wanted to see what happened that day to that whatever. And then, so I hated Vine. So TikToks, <laughs> I, I like because you can, you can it learns what you like. It, you don't have to tell it nothing. You know, it just... My TikTok's all farm videos now. I'm into farming, man. I love farming. <laughs> it's fascinating, though. If you really look at what they do and how they do it, the science behind it and the cool technology, the equipment, I'm like, I I could be a farmer. I'd probably be bored after a little while, just like any job. But, I mean, it, it really is an interesting industry, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Literally, their machines go on GPS. I mean, you don't even have to. You just sit in them and kind of veg out. I was watching this one guy that I forget what it's called, the farmer something life. And his daughter, who was, I'm going to say she's 12. She's driving an $800,000 combine with a joystick. And she's literally like doing thumb controls and watching like four monitors. And she's eating a snack with her. Then she'd look at her phone and she's still driving this thing with a joystick. And I'm like, Oh my God. It, it's I'm telling you guys, once you, you got to go deep. To get into that stuff, but it's good. That must be on Reddit for sure. I'm thinking. A I don't sub, know. I a don't know. Reddit, a sub, that sub Bobcat. I, I don't know how I got on Bobcat stuff too, like excavating equipment too. And I just like watch people like plowing dirt and stuff. I'm just fascinated with that. I should be an excavator or farmer. Oh. Okay. Well, another great show. Hey, make sure to give us a review on the iTunes, the Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Each week we post three digestible clips. Give us a like, send in any questions you have for the next week's show, and hopefully we'll see you back. See you guys. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.